Welcome to this uh, episode of the Down the Pool podcast. On this one, we get to review the first Wanderers game of the 2023 season. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pool podcast. Um, on this show, we are going to look back at the uh, draw against Forge in the weekend, maybe just touch a tiny wee bit on the disaster against Ottawa. Um, and we're also joined by a guest who's, a, unfortunately for them, is a York United fan, so we're going to uh, have a little chat, just uh, starting off the show on obviously the the bombshell news out of uh, York yesterday. So, Gary, how's it going, pal? How are you? Good. I thought I didn't think we were doing Wondrous Forge. I thought we were doing Newcastle Tottenham in the match review today. I thought we'd start off with uh, Southampton Arsenal and then move <laughs> oh, on fuck. to that one. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, fair play. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we are joined by uh, Jason. Sotsos, uh, who is uh, a York United fan and runs the, uh, or is part of the York United supporters Twitter account. Am I right in saying that, Jason? That's right. The uh, York supporters Twitter and Instagram, which I uh, first made it as York supporters group alliance, which was kind of a tongue-in-cheek at a comment that i think a a forge fan made about having like 18 supporters groups or something and i'm like let's get them all aligned and uh and get them all together and uh (laughs) because like over the years we are actually probably in the double digits believe it or not of either original like york ones or, or just supporters groups that that join us um like last year we, we saw with uh porcos a uh, palmeras uh brazil group that joined if you kind of look at that there it's like one way to just unite all the york supporters um and something i did want to post was just the player of the match and player of the month polls which i enjoy running on there yeah they're and they're they're pretty fun and i, I enjoy always like picking the one that i know will probably piss off the york fans i Boost the numbers of the players probably play shit the the shittest. So uh, I I guess like the the big thing we need to talk about is the the news that came out yesterday, and um, I think it was a shock for everybody. Like, like you know when you look at obviously the Edmonton situation like last year, and a lot of comparisons were made to York at the time, but with the money that the Baldessara family have and, and stuff like that, like it just still was a bombshell. So what did you think yourself when you heard the news? It uh, d- definitely didn't feel good and something that sunk in and kind of maybe felt worse as it went. And then maybe as I read up a little bit more on it, uh, you kind of see, um, I mean, on social media, you see all sorts of people saying everything. But what you see from both the CPL and the club, which, you know, they're going to 
they're going to support themselves in in their next uh, stage of the club, of course. But it uh, seemed a lot more encouraging from that side. It seems that there's apparently a lot of interest in um, in picking up the the Toronto market next. And um, I'm sure that lots of different ideas are bring, being brought to the forefront. Um, the question is, though, is is the, you know, Toronto team, um, you know, is their plan to maybe move it elsewhere, even if they're keeping some of the structure in place? And how does that affect things either either positively uh, or negatively? The uh, the woodbine thing has been a big part of the narrative in the last season a bit because I haven't talked to Angus a couple of times on the show. Uh, obviously they struggle with York Line Stadium because it's a not theirs and b it's got twenty other teams that are tenants there, so it's, it doesn't feel like it's a York United Stadium uh, in any way. So do you, do you think that this is kind of that that's dead in the water now, or how do you feel about the whole Woodbine situation? Yeah, Woodbine is something I think when I first heard about it, I thought it was maybe a lot more of a sure thing and and maybe maybe my optimism or I don't know what it was skipped ahead to thinking they they had broken ground and were building it. And and you see the the concept pictures that look great, Um, but then kind of looking or or even listening to a few interviews or reading a few interviews, you hear more uh, along the lines of that it's something uh, maybe a bit more in discussions and that it could translate to there's not really any progress at all, or that could, um, I think if there really was ground broken, then we definitely hear about the stadium has started to be built. They're going to build it like this. So Woodbine, just myself personally, I've been a little bit more skeptical on. I think I'm still more on the side of if they, you know, keep it in New York and stuff that they look towards Vaughn kind of thing, which is uh, to kind of place that um, compared that that is in the York region proper, which makes it just north of Toronto uh, of where uh, your client stadium is right about on the border. And it actually is properly in Toronto. Um, It's a question of, do they have enough people that take this TTC or the the subway that goes all the way downtown? Do enough people take that for them to want it to be on the subway line? Uh, Woodbine notably is not on the subway line and really not near transit at all. Um, or do York have a lot, and I use that term relatively a lot, of uh, commuters that come in, such as myself. I drive in um, actually over an hour, believe it or not, for every wow. game, just because it's it's uh, the closest uh, kind of team. And I was happy when a Canadian Premier League uh, showed up and there was a team that's uh, pretty close to where my brother lives, who I like to go to games with. So like Gary, had, uh, Gary, you've always kind of said that the supporters in York are it's probably some of the best in the league just because of all the stuff they have to go through yeah. to actually be a York United fan. So what 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 is your take on the situation? Um like looking at it objectively, I guess, because like, you know, we don't really have that much skin in the game, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really do think York supporters are the best or among the best in the league simply because like I said last week, it's like and it's really easy for you and I to go to Wanderers every week because we know it's going to sell out and we're going to be part of a community and it's going to be a good time. Whereas York supporters turn up 
even though they know people are going to take the piss and like, oh, York have no fans and all that shit. I don't like that. I really don't like that because I think there needs to be a lot more respect given to those supporters who are really, really supporting grassroots football or grassroots soccer, sorry, in their community. That's incredibly important and incredibly admirable, in my opinion. So, yeah, massive respect to York supporters. Um, Regarding the news, like, to be honest, I've been like so, so deep in social media when I saw it, my I didn't really think of like the big picture consequences. All I thought was like, fucking hell, some people are gonna be insufferable on Twitter today. Like people are gonna be <laughs> proper like doomy on Twitter today. And like, my timeline is just gonna be full of people like catastrophizing and which and, and I know it is like slightly troubling. Um, but I just <laughs> so that's that's my honest answer. Like I was just like, I'm gonna have to read some right shit over the next two days <laughs> or so. Um and I have done, which is was expected, but um, yeah, hopefully they can get something sorted. I, I don't know the region. I don't know the story really. So I just hope, I just hope, yeah, that there's a club there for those those supporters over the next year, two years, three years, four years. And I think more so than Edmonton, the league are the, the league have a lot more at stake in making York work. And I think they're aware of that. And they will go. They'll probably compromise more than they did with Edmonton to make sure that York survives as a club. So. Yeah, fingers crossed. That that was a that was a big thing for me that <clears throat> a how quickly they released the news about all this, and it felt like with the Edmonton situation, just to kind of compare it a little bit, um, like straight away it was like that the, they they won't have any players. Everybody's coming in on loan. It just felt like a club that was just going to collapse basically. Whereas with with this, it's like there's no talk of people losing their job. There's no talk of players like having to leave. Um, it just seems like everything's kind of business as normal. And it, it seems like the last time it was like all of the owners are taking the Edmonton thing on their shoulders and they're paying the money for it. Whereas this is like it's now actually being bought by Canadian soccer business. So it doesn't seem like that it's been spread out amongst. And I know they, they all technically own CSB, but it, it just feels like the, the wording of it just sounds totally different to what it was before. So I, I, I definitely think that they're going to like they want it to work. But for yourself, Jason, like, I mean, do you think it can work? the way it currently is because like there's no looking past the fact of you know like last weekend and the, the league doesn't help with the way that they scheduled three games in a week uh, people just can't afford to go to three games in a week it's 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 not just the price of a ticket it's getting the train there it's like having something to eat having a beer blah blah blah, blah, blah. so you know when you look at 600 fans it's like i mean a i don't think it was a co- coincidence after the, the league start <laughs> and the uh the, the fans but do you think like it's it's viable the way it is like in in your clients it's um it's it's tough to say because is there gonna be a big kind of rallying around the community because i think that's what um i've seen succeed for like a lot of clubs like it's uh you know i uh Hope that no one I know listens to this to hear me compliment uh, Forge and Hamilton, but I like <laughs> you see the uh, the the amount that the town is wrapped up in the fact that there's a game there and there's people that know what's going on and it's somewhere where looking back on it maybe i wasn't as happy at the time but like even uh a couple hours before game just wearing the york gear just being uh politely like heckled about the fact that it had a rival team but that kind of was like uh 
you know, a respect moment to just the people knowing that that's what's going on. Um, and I think like, I don't want to go on the on Ontario compliment tour, but just, uh, I think um, TD place in Ottawa is another place where you see kind of along the streets leading up to it that like pretty much Atletico colors that, yeah, there's a game there. And I've heard as well with uh, uh, HFX, you see the same kind of thing where you see the, um, you can go to a store, like not just associated, like not just going to the, the game itself to get merch, but you can go to like other yeah. stores and, and other things <laughs> like that there too. It just, it seems, that seems really the most stark contrast to where it is at York University. Um, I walked up to the first game and there were uh, banners for the Toronto Arrows. Uh, they play in rug, I think it's rugby league. Yep. Um, and the, um, I think Toronto FC two might still be tenants there. That's not as market there, but it's just the university itself is a uh, it's, it's red and you see lions and I see security in the, in the front staff there kind of is that pretty close to supporters uh, entrance there. I'm just kind of telling people that are maybe university students that their student card doesn't get in to the university <laughs> game. That's not exactly what's going on there. That's a professional game. Wow. That's uh yeah, that's not a good scenario. Uh, yeah, it, it does seem to me that um, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, and maybe York Lions Stadium wasn't. And I know it's it's difficult after the fact, but it just doesn't seem as, as like from what I've been told. Like I've talked to Ronan a couple of times, and there's not much like bars around the place, or there's nowhere to kind of like really build up a vibe to get the, the before the game to get things going. Whereas our stadium it's not really a stadium air air shack is like literally right downtown it's like right in the heart of downtown and it just makes such a difference i actually don't think area like a fair stadium was anywhere other than where it is like it was like outside of the city it probably wouldn't work no it would i mean it it'd probably still do okay because i think this is a kind of city which doesn't have a professional sports team but not it wouldn't work to the level i think it'd be a lot more sterile in the ground if you didn't have like a large percentage of the of the people going like at the boozers for the couple of hours before and then march into the match together. Like the atmosphere would be far more sterile if you didn't have that. So yeah, that's a huge part of it. So I, I guess like the, the, the big question um would be if they decide to move the franchise, would it or rebrand it as Toronto? And obviously there's been a rebrand already and that caused some issues too. Uh, how would the, the 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 existing fans feel about that? I think the there's always going to be a devotion to these players and to like the the front office staff that we have now, and like if that is kind of, if that is linked in that way, um, it might be a little bit different than if there's a not exactly the same situation. We're not edmonton by any means but edmonton leaving vancouver joining that's always a possibility kind of and, and that's one of the more like negative ones going around and um is like that if there is the opportunity for saskatchewan or Kelowna or windsor whatever to pop up next year that then there might be like a pause on our thing but i think our um 
yeah our our fan our supporters groups and, and this is again i i don't really uh speak on exactly on behalf of of the two i'm kind of in an amalgamation where i live kind of close to both but i definitely am part of the northern corridor and i definitely have a lot of really good friends in the center of the universe which are the main uh two um center of the universe are, are big on it being um in you know toronto or downtown so if they ever consider like a a lamport stadium that's where the toronto wolfpack rugby union team used to play for a few years but then you're really getting so close to tfc that i've seen people argue that that's like that's incredibly close to to the territory of bmo field so it probably doesn't help um there's been commentary about um i think armin from one soccer threw out a couple of like brampton mississauga scarborough those kind of ones where the um they're they're separate uh sorry brampton and mississauga are separate cities scarborough is technically the east end of what makes up toronto but it's more of a defined region than new york i actually saw one of the um the comments on Twitter asking, does anyone really say that they're from York? Um, that definitely does exist. And, and I know the Northern Corridor guys especially are proud of that. I know Chris and, and Josh um, have mentioned that when they were on, on this show, that they love the, um, that it being York region, they maybe didn't feel as close to Toronto. Um, in another video I, I watched uh, the other day um, from, Toronto sports guy who was who's going over this I um, mean just a, a 14 minute video that I just think uh, summed it up pretty well at the end where they're kind of not sure a little bit if they're a York region team which again puts them in the GTA north of the city a little bit distant from from BMO field and from Toronto um, versus a Toronto team where um, I, I wish I had it with me. It's upstairs. My uh, season ticket scarf from last year has got an outline of the CN Tower. And the um, the shirt last year, the Green Park one with the silhouette, yeah. actually has the city on one side. I didn't really notice this till I bought it. And there's a bunch of trees representing the, the north part um, just on the other corner there. But it kind of almost represents a, a tough... Um, you're kind of standing not really being on either side of the fence for maybe if that's what the team needs where i feel like um sometimes there's there's pockets like i think mississauga could be really good and there could be a few thousand people that say oh guys i think mississauga in itself is, is close to a million i could be way off but it is in the high hundreds thousand it's at least you know Somewhere between a half million and a million, which is a terrible range to give. But there's a lot of people in Mississauga. And if enough of them uh, want to follow a, a team that moves there, if it's Mississauga FC, if it's uh, like another thing, too, is I hold up the colors here is <laughs> um, I got all this green and blue and gold stuff. I'm not the only one, too, that uh, wouldn't want to have to rebrand my my closet once again. <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense to me, Jason. I've, I've, my my Ontario geography is not very good. How far away is are all of these places you're talking about to the the area David Clanagan wants to introduce a team to? So Windsor is um, 
pretty distant from all of them. It, it's very, very close to Detroit, Michigan. It, so Windsor is a border city. And if you drive, um, so I used to live in London, Ontario, which is right between um, Toronto and Windsor. So I feel like Windsor is about three, four hours from Toronto. So maybe about three hours from my live search. It. So it would be from York or Hamilton. We're talking over two, three hour drive, but like that makes it, um, it makes it very doable on a road trip or even like a bus trip or something like that. Um, and, but it wouldn't be enough for, I think, a, a, a daily or a weekly trip that it's too far um, from even like Mississauga to, to Windsor again would be several hours, three so hours, even probably more. So it's not like, yeah, that was my concern that wherever you went, you'd be kind of stepping into that territory as well. But it sounds like Ontario is so big that that wouldn't happen. I think my my idea behind like the ideal location for a team would be number one, a city with a bit of a chip on its shoulder and a city with a lot of civic pride. And I think that's kind of that's Halifax got a lot of that, hasn't it? I think Halifax has got a bit of a chip on its shoulder about thinking it's like the forgotten city of 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 Canada. And also Halifax has a lot of civic pride as well. And when you kind of put those two things together, that's when a team really does well because people want to support their city um, and they kind of want to announce themselves as well. And so, yeah, if there's, I don't, again, I don't know Ontario that well, but if there's an area like that, which, which within Ontario, they feel really, like kind of separate from the rest of the the province because like we're our own special thing um if there's anywhere like that then i think it would work that's uh well said because i think hamilton probably feels that a lot of that and that's where they've uh they've had a, like their success there hamilton's uh got a cfl canadian football league pretty good rivalry with toronto so there's um, again, probably some Hamilton people that that make the way up for Toronto FC every time and consider themselves part of the greater Toronto area. Probably some Hamilton people that exactly what you said, that's like a Hamilton versus everybody uh, kind of thing. And I think of a few of the places I've listed, I think Scarborough probably has that. They feel like maybe the, the quieter, forgotten neighborhood of uh neighborhood city like within toronto um and even going a little bit outside the city uh place where again a little bit biased because i live there but they have great support for the the hockey team and sell it out all the time is london ontario which would be um that would put if there were teams in windsor like clanahan wants uh hamilton a team in london and then a team in in york region or if it moves elsewhere again somewhere in the toronto region would be those four teams plus ottawa um that's extremely ontario centric i realize so hopefully the league has grown um to at least 12 teams or more by then but i think the opportunity to have away days like that is a really nice thing and i think away fans like bring to every kind of atmosphere it was just fun to see in the very first uh bc uh game with pacific in vancouver uh our our former guy mani apricio just taunting the away vancouver fans so that stuff's a, a lot of fun but no great great point gary i think um 
York is one where they they might not kind of exactly feel like he's like York might have a lot of ties to Toronto. It's easy. It's very easy access to get downtown. You can see those all sorts of sports games, Blue Jays, uh, if you're a baseball fan, all sorts of hockey options and, and Toronto FC. Um, not too hard to get to. So, um, again, I can't really speak on um a lot of the people I'm close to in the supporters groups do feel very strongly about York. Um, and if they're part of Center Universe, they feel very strongly about Toronto. And we, uh, we, we don't only really want a team, but we kind of have, again, this like name of our supporters groups, Center of the Universe, about us, where it's hard to envision the league just not having a presence at all. In the GTA, not saying it doesn't have to be exactly where we are, but it's just just to be able to market. I mean, having to Toronto be the, the 2026 World Cup city for a few games um, is it, a point that Angus brought up. That That's a, a great one that you uh, you're going to see a, a team in Toronto. And I, I really think that um, a point you brought up earlier is there's a lot of reaction on social media and it was one of the rare things where I'm like, no, I'm going to like definitely hold off a bit because, I mean, I've worked at places where we've changed owners and nothing has really happened too much at all. And I've worked at places where we've changed owners and it's kind of rocked the ship a little bit. But there's no point in, in kind of speculating either way, because I think a really, really telling thing is um angus obviously is still the the president ceo and has a great relationship with mark noonan as far as we can tell so hopefully he keeps um doing what he's doing and, and they're working on um on on some good ideas and they might have someone with some brilliant idea that i can't come up with on here and thinking of a a great place to either move the team or build a new stadium which is what we hope I just wanted to really get somebody on the show just so we could have uh, just kind of get the supporters input into what's happening because there's going to be, I reckon, an awful lot of like PR stuff in the next couple of weeks on all this stuff. So um, it's, it's it's interesting to hear what, what the, the people on the ground are hearing. So, Jason, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been it's been great. And we really hope that everything kind of works out for you guys. Hey, thank you very much. I uh, appreciate being on this uh, show a lot. I appreciate being able to uh, to hopefully let everyone take a bit of an exhale that it's not like we're exactly Edmonton. I don't think we're in like 10 to 20 million dollars of of debt kind of thing. And we'll just uh, we'll wait and see. And um, whatever comes uh, about it again, we we're going to support the the players and, and still be there. We got a big game coming up uh, against the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, we're very excited for. So uh, thank you again for uh, for having me on the show, Anthony and Gary. That was kind of interesting here in the, uh, the the fans uh, input on it like i definitely well, i was kind of mentioned there like the just seeing how different it is uh compared to the edmonton thing and i've listened to angus and he really just uh i i think he really wants it to work well i i, I just it seems to me like they're gonna have to do something there because having 600 fans at a game it's just mm. not viable you know and you just wonder like how much the the start of the season has kind of affected stuff too so yeah i found that the timing was quite weird wasn't it yeah that aspect of it yeah 
it, it really felt like it was like uh, two league games sucked, and like and it was like <laughs> who's gonna come to the games? And then it was like, oh, I, you know, what? I, I bet it was, <clears throat> I bet it was bubbling, and I bet someone like Dwayne Rollins got a hold of it and was gonna like leak it, and they got wind that it was gonna be leaked, so they kind of rushed out a statement. I'm, I assume that's what happened because otherwise the timing just doesn't doesn't really fit, does it? Yeah, and like there's been no inkling of it at all. So yeah, I, like you know, I, I we kind of mentioned before that the. The, the league does need a team in Toronto to work if they're gonna. I think it just it just smacks the defeat if they move it. So um, yeah, yeah, um, and th- yeah, best of luck to them. So we're obviously going to move on to our uh, amazing games. Uh, <laughs> we were we were going to do a kind of double header, but it just seems so long ago since the uh, defeat to Ottawa in the, the Canadian Championship. And I, I, I kind we kind of mentioned, and I kind of felt this way after the game. I actually didn't give a shit that we lost that game. To be perfectly honest, it was like. They just cram so much in. I think the like uh, some some stage are going to have to stand up a little bit to the MLS teams because like having a season where you've got three games in the space of uh we we you know we kind of have three games in the space of a week. It's like a a starting off a season. You're just going to end up with injuries. Like I don't understand why mm. they, like they didn't say we're not doing this. You know, and then it ends up the situation where. Halifax or Ottawa lost a ton of money because they couldn't host the game themselves. So it's just, it doesn't make any sense, does it? No, I feel, I feel like they, the people at the league still feel like they need to be a bit subservient to MLS because I, I, I just feel like at some point in the future, the league is going to ask a favour of MLS. They're going to need a favour of, of some kind. Um, but... And I think they've kind of got that in their back pocket. So they'll kind of, if MLS asks them to do something, they'll probably go, yeah, go on then. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Knowing that one day they're going to cash that in and they're keeping the receipts. Yeah, I hope so. But I, I just, you know, and I, I know that Angus was, uh, he, he kind of mentioned on the, the, the podcast earlier on that, you know, like York kind of got, I wouldn't say stuck with this game, but they got kind of lumbered. With, they did get lumbered with it. They got lumbered with the Halifax game that, you know, they they couldn't actually do a build up to their own game because they couldn't put music on because when the Halifax game finished and they were doing like depressors and all that kind of stuff afterwards they couldn't put music on or try and get people mm. void up for it so it, it just didn't make any sense and like just to quickly run over the game I thought we played incredibly well for 35 40 minutes even they even said in commentary a bunch of times how uh, how in control we looked and as soon as we conceded the first goal we just kind of tipped over the edge a little bit didn't we yeah, I thought we were fantastic, actually. I, I remember just before they scored, I was messaging Shep, because he was a, I think he was doing training or something, saying, like, mate, we look really good. We look incredible. We look fantastic. And then as soon as he started watching, Ottawa scored, and we didn't touch the ball again <laughs> until, like... but And it, the, the, thing, like, the thing that was interesting about that game is because, like, you... And you knew at some point in the season that sort of game would happen where we, who are now a team who wants to control games and have all of the ball, we're going to come up against Ottawa, who are absolutely outstanding and not having the ball. Like, they do so much good stuff off the ball. And it was just like, all right, what do we do when we're trailing and we're facing a low block? Because I, I actually think like the game against Forge suits us a lot better because they try and play, we try and play, brilliant, have a bit of a ding-dong, like see who's got the best attack. Whereas with Ottawa, they're just going to sit eight men behind the ball, kind of leave maybe an attacking midfielder and a striker up the pitch, probably two strikers, and just say, all right, then just play around us. And what you've got to do in that situation is like, 
kind of rule of thumb when you're playing against a low block is switch the point of attack really quickly because you want to like move move yep. the defensive line around and you need players who break the lines by dribbling it as well so like an Aiden Daniels type um and I think I didn't I don't think we could do that you could see the intention was there they tried a lot of switches they tried to switch it and then switch it back again to move Ottawa about but Ottawa are just so good at that and you kind of it was always going to end 2-2 two, two or 3-1. It was never going to end 2-1. And yeah, they just sucker punches on the break. But like you said, I, I'm I'm not asked about that competition. Like maybe if in the next round we had an MLS team, I'd be a bit more bothered. But I, I would have rather have, have won a, against Forge than, than Ottawa. Obviously, I watched the game and I was just interested more in just the, the tactical side of it to see how we would set up. And um, I think it was a really good test in the way that like we're gonna have to change the way we do things against certain teams. Um Ottawa being the main one I think because man they were so fast on the break. Like you know mm. T- like Tiso's what 31 and Jesus like he's got some legs on him like he like how he blasted past poor Rampy. Like I, I think Rampy wanted to like just throw himself at him in a rugby tackle or something. Because it was just uh, <laughs> it was that, just crazy. that that assy as well or assy I don't know how to say his name like He's a very entertaining, like he's 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 shit and brilliant at the same yeah. time, basically. <laughs> like he's a he's a perfect mixture of both of them things. Like he kind of just seems to be stumbling with it, and then the next thing you know, he's twenty yards ahead of, of his fullback. Because like his like that's you're right though. He has that kind of weird, like gangly gait or something. But like the, the pass into Tiso was spot on. It was perfect. Exactly. So, yeah, it's got yeah. that as well. But yeah, very. So let, let's let's leave that nonsense behind and move on to uh the main focus which was um uh, on saturday and i i don't really want to kind of get into like a blow-by-blow account of what happened in the game as in like in the fifth minute there was a shot by jensen i hit the crossbar it was mm. i kind of wanted to talk a little bit obviously this was uh rampy's 100 game and congratulations to him club legend can't say enough nice things about the guys mm. he's he's fantastic um but he's kind of he felt uh, to me, it felt like he was back playing where he does his best work. Um, I, I think just to, like, like Ottawa, he was kind of playing a little bit more advanced, and I just think he just wasn't able to get into the game. Uh, but him and Caligari, like, were kind of almost sitting in like as like two central defensive midfielders. Uh, he's just so much better, like, there. Like, so how, like, do you think that he's gonna have to adapt his game more to be? like to fit into the system or do you think that we can't afford to leave him out so we're gonna to have to play him in a more kind of natural position how do you think like how would you deal with the problem that is rampy i guess i think there's a few things going on here i think firstly um as fans we need to recalibrate how we view andre rampasad and what he does in games now because we've spent the last two years with him as like the absolute technical reference point of our team and everything goes through him. He sits there on his own as a six on an island. Everyone passes to him because he's the best player. He'll jink and he'll turn his way out of trouble. And like he jumps off of the screen at you. He's he's all you can see sometimes when you watch Wanderers. And that's what we've got used to. So we consider a good Andre Rampersad performance to be seeing him do his like superhero stuff. Whereas now Patrice has come in and gone... Right, we've signed Lorenzo Caligari, who is a former PSG Academy player, has played for the PSG first team in preseason friendlies. Like he's absolutely fine on his own 
as a six. So Rampy, we've got something else for you to do, knowing Rampy wants to do something a bit more attacking as well. So that's the first part of the conversation, like recalibrating how we see him. The second part of it is kind of understanding if Rampy now is one of our two eights slash two tens, again, are you so interchangeably those two terms? If he's one of the two eights, we've got to kind of understand what an eight or a 10 does in our team. And I think like, and you and I are from eras where your tens are get on the ball, play a, play a nice little through ball, like play between the lines, link up play with the strikers. But I think as Jordan told us when we spoke to him, like a 10, a 10 for a modern team and a 10 for a Patrice team, the intention is to do far, far more off the ball than on the ball because their job is basically to firstly press the, the opposition defenders. And then they... They do a lot of off the ball work to create space for the wide forwards. So you you watch our two tens during the game. They'll both peel really wide, and the wide forwards will pinch in and like go diagonally into those inside spaces. So we're so used to seeing Rampy kind of game in front of him playing his passes, but now what he's doing is so much of what he's doing is creating space for people around him to expose, which he has done really really well. But we don't really notice that because we're so focused on the on the ball stuff, which I agree hasn't been brilliant because he's he's kind of as much as we're recalibrating how we see him he's recalibrating how his mind works like he's gone from he's gone from all he reads all he really really needs to see is what's in front of him to suddenly he's getting the ball in a pocket with his back to goal he's trying to do wall passes he's trying to do all this little jinky stuff so I think give it time like it's been two games it technically he's easily good enough to do that it's just a case of getting used to what the new role is and playing his way into it um but I agree he looked good versus Forge because he was doing stuff we were familiar with again and we were like oh there's Rampy we've got Rampy back because he was playing more as a six rather than an eight in that game so do you think um like yeah I know you said there you think he's good enough to to play that role but you think that we have player players who are better who who that's their natural position um or do you think that he is better than what we have who would you say would be better in that position than him you know like technically technique wise like like i, I think <clears throat> daniels would be because he's used to that position but then on the flip side he obviously isn't gonna he doesn't have the work rate and i think but that's he's, he's daniels is already playing in that on the left side of the pitch he's yeah. like a left 10 just just something like that like i i just think that like you know i i just feel that he is, uh, I don't know. I'm just like I guess you're right. I'm just so used to him seeing him as a six. Mm. But I just think that like he was giving the ball away so much, and it's like, do we have the time to wait for him to catch up with what it is that we want to do, or you know what I mean? Like I, I like, yeah, you no, know, nah. it's just thought... it's a tricky one. Yeah, no, I do, I do see what you mean, and but and again, I think it again it jumps out more because it is him, and we're so unused to seeing him ever give it away. But I think fifty percent of his game was brilliant. His off the ball stuff was fantastic, and the the on the ball technical stuff, he's easily good enough to get his head around that sooner rather than later. So I'm I'm not I'm not too worried to be honest, and I don't I don't see anyone else who's a better option. Like we play with two tens, so you kind of need in the squad at least four tens and we've got Rampy, we've got Aiden Daniels, we've got Callum Watson who does that in a really aggressive, pressy way. Um and probably Armin Wilson if he can get up to speed. He's the fourth. I, I personally would like to see Timoteo there as well. I think he's a good small space player, so could tuck in and do that combination stuff. The off the ball stuff I'm not so sure about. But yeah, we'll it's a long season. Like they'll they'll he'll figure it out. Definitely. It, it definitely seems like there is a 
I think that because we got a new manager and we all kind of expected uh, that things are going to be super, super great starting off. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's it's one of those things that like, uh, you know, there's so much stuff for people still to learn, even mm. though we had like a very long preseason. It's, it's not the same as being in game and trying to learn this as you go. And I think that you're right. You, you, like, you know, game eight, game nine, we'll start to see people kind of adapt into what it is that they're being asked to do rather than because you know you, you can try and replicate this stuff as much as possible on the training ground but if you're unless you're in a game and you've got people who are pressing you for real and trying to really get the ball off you you're mm-hmm. never going to uh, be able to, to practice so i i think yeah it's it, it, i just think it's um like when, when you see somebody who you know is like such a good player and seeing them kind of struggle a little bit you kind of you're you're wondering like why the fuck are they there? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just a natural kind of fan reaction. But I guess that's why I'm sat here and Patrice is getting paid the big bucks, right? So, um, but I I did also want to talk a little bit just uh about your your good friend uh, uh Wesley Timoteo. I, I I thought he was ph- phenomenal. Like he, you know, Marcel Ferran got a lot of plaudits uh on on the weekend and rightfully so. And so did Jan Fion. Obviously, he had a, a great game, but. This guy, I love watching him, man. Like, I mean, mm. like the, the pass that he laid on for the goal to to Massimo was phenomenal. Uh, he's such he's such an intelligent player. Against Ford, he really benefited from having a more traditional right back playing behind him because if, if he's kind of an inverted right attacker, you 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 want a really attacking right fullback to overlap you into that space so then you can like underlap and invert into the central areas which is where he wants to be he doesn't want to be playing on the exterior beating a man and trying to yep. whip one in with his weak foot he wants to be cutting in onto his left foot and you saw that with the goal like cutting on his left foot beautiful pass out to Massimo Ferrin and that's what he's good at and like we've talked about this before he's like a he's an end product monster his goals and assists like he he will always get you goals and assists and as much as that was Rampy's assist for Ferrin's goal like it was also Timoteo's unofficial assist as well, wasn't it? Because that doesn't happen if he doesn't play that thirty-yard pass. It's like it's, it's like in ice hockey when they have like the like two assists, so you get like I, they? I think they they count like back two assists. But I, it was just be- was it just before that when he played in a ball to uh, to it might be Ferran as well. Ferran again, yeah, yeah, I, yeah it the was, one-on-one. It was a, absolutely it was a peach of a ball. Like he, it just. Flat-footed them; they weren't expecting it. And I, I, I honestly don't think you you expect that kind of tech, like tech, technical player in the CPL. It, it was just I love players like that, man. I could sit and watch them all day, and I think yeah. that you know there was so many like little pieces like that to his game that it doesn't really get noticed sometimes. But I, I actually can't wait to watch him like live, so you can kind of pick up on those like little pieces. Uh, I'm really excited. So how are you Same. feeling for for Saturday? Excited. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait to be back. Um, I bumped into on my lunch break today. I bumped into Michelle, who listens to the pod. Do you know oh, Michelle? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. We, we we had a little, like a very excited chat about it, like how much we're both buzzing about being back there and weather looks good. Um, I'm in Moncton the night before, so I've got to get back Saturday morning. Um, so normally my tradition the night before our first home game, I'll get a nice bottle of whiskey in and yeah. Just, just like have a little glass of that before bed, like watch some highlights from old seasons. But I'm going to a show in Moncton, so I won't be able to do that this time. But yeah, can't so, wait to get back to the city, get a couple of beers in me, and, and get along. Just we we have to. I know you you you're not a big member of the uh, goalkeeper union, but uh, 
I just wanted to kind of touch a little bit on on Jan and his performance. Like I think I thought I think, you were going to say Jan and my sighting of him in yeah, Walmart. I, I was going to bring that up in a second, <laughs> but but yeah, like he he got like the Gatorade performance of the match, and then uh, like Massimo got another. I mean, I don't many man of the match awards that they have. I don't know, but uh, he was like he pulled off some amazing saves. But there's there's a weird like little thing to his game too when he kind of has like a little bit of a rush of blood to the head and kind of gives you like a little bit of an ulcer but uh what, what did you think a what do you think of his overall game like c- compared to what we had and uh do you think that his distribution fits into what patrice is trying to do um yeah i mean i don't notice him which is i've always said like that's the biggest thing for me with goalkeepers if i want to walk out of there and forgot and forget about anything they did because that means they haven't terrified me at any point and i think we've had we've had um yeah so i i we've we've had times where we've been terrified in the past so I, i'm just happy that i don't feel like that anymore um and the 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 all the saves he made you know who would be happy about that that um what's the sponsorship that do the save of the match for oh the um all state isn't it oh yeah if it all save that sometimes they're like proper like scraping the barrel out <laughs> I know, yeah. it would just be like the goalkeeper so, getting so, throwing back so, to it, like, so, so, it <laughs> save of the it's match like, it's like, a, it's like a, somebody headed a back pass yeah them. yeah i got it <laughs> and they like try and do like a zoom in angle on it to like give it a bit of a but so yeah. they they were like all right we're going to be dining out on this performance for the next three months <laughs> the, the, the one the one that like because i, I kind of messaged them about it um when I think it was um Tuesday had the shot and he kind of it kind of dipped in front of him so he kind of lost it like a little bit and then Jordan Hamilton came in and he stayed with his hand slash face <laughs> it was like that was like to me that's like a goalkeeper all over because that was bravery me, yeah I'm not sticking my head down there because you're basically gonna get a boot in the face so, yeah <laughs> yeah but but he he had like a little bit of walkabout in that first half if you remember he kind of like. Wandered outside his box to kind of get a ball, and then they kind of broke away a little bit. And yeah, my, I, I got the the little. Yeah, like, I mm. was like Jesus Christ, but um, yeah. So uh, what what did you uh make of his uh, appearance at Walmart? Did you uh, did you see what was in his basket? I I I did see what was in his basket, and I'm sure I'd rather I don't say, to be honest. Oh, um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Nah. No, I didn't. I, to be honest, I wasn't. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it was him. I was just picking up some groceries last night. I was like, I saw a person in the distance, and I just thought, like, he's a big fucker. Who's he? And um, and he turned around, and the beard was there. And I was like, is that is that the goalie? So I like got my phone out and I googled him because I've never seen him like face to face. I was like, yeah, that is him. That is him. Um, so just, oh my god! He, he was just wondering. He was just wandering around the store. Just living his how, life. How, how fucking how fucking weird would it be? Like you look at the phone, he's over your shoulder, and he sees you like googling, breathing in my ear. Big tall man with beards. <laughs> that's what that's what I said to you. I was like, I think it's him, but he he does look quite generic Canadian. <laughs> he, he like the buzz cut and the like the stylish beard. Yeah. If if you said to somebody, draw me a Canadian, it will be basically him. Uh, he yeah, is the most Canadian yeah. person of all time. They're a very, uh, very, very handsome man as well. I'll give him that. I'm sure he'd be delighted to know that, Gary. I'd, I'd uh, hope yeah. so. I'd hope so. Yeah. We, we should... I'll I'll snip that little bit and I'll send it to him just so uh, <laughs> he, he knows. He knows to keep a keep an hey, eye out for you on Saturday. We we should we should all be lifting each other up. So I'm lifting him up. Yeah. He's a handsome man. I love it. I love it. So um, just moving along from your creepy obsession with our goalkeeper. Uh, so Massimo Ferran, uh, mm. 
he was obviously like the MVP in League One Ontario last year. Everybody was kind of like a little bit worried where he was going to make the leap over into the CPL because of the jumping class and whatever. What a player. Very good, yeah. As as advertised, like he was one of those. I think that he, he would have been in the league earlier, but stuff, yeah. He's I he he should have been in the league earlier, I think, but COVID and all of that and it just disrupted everything. Um, but he's been good enough to play in the league for the past three years, I'd say. And I think a lot of teams in the league know it as well because there we weren't the only club in for him this off season. He was highly sought after, so yeah, it, like you don't even notice that he's come from League One Ontario. It's just you look at him and go, he's easily CPL quality. Like no danger about that at all. He'll like the way the way we play. The wide forwards are likely to score more goals than the striker, and I think he'll probably end up being our top scorer because of that. He he just he just knows where to be in the box. He knows he knows where the ball's going to land. He knows what run to make. Um, and he should have had two against Forge, but good goalkeeping. That um. Like the goal, like I mean, it was it was just so well taken, wasn't it? There was yeah. no panic. It's just like that's how you know when a player is like is going to score goals. It was like it was just so natural, just basically just passed it into the corner. Mm-hmm. And and Tristan Henry's like not a, a bad goalkeeper, apart from the ridiculous dive. Did did just did, did you see that bit in the game? Uh, no, yeah, I can't remember it. But he has a bit of a wobble sometimes, doesn't he? So uh, it was like a corner or something, and uh, I think Kale Lo- uh, Lockery went up for. I know it was Dan Dan Nimick, I think it was, and he was like walking away from whatever, and uh, he walked behind uh, the the goalkeeper and barely brushed off him, and he did this ridiculous dive and <laughs> got him booked. And I was is, like, that, is that the proper Irish way of saying his surname, Lockery? Is that is that right? It's probably well. I mean, he's probably I don't know. That's the way I'd say it. Yeah, like, you're, you're Irish, so you know. Yeah, but he, he could be like a like a it could be Scottish and it'd be like a weird like. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, it does sound a bit. Scottish, you know, like, it's like yeah. you have to you have to cough up a chunk of chunk of phlegm every time you say it. <laughs> I'm watching so, Shetland at the moment, yeah. and there's a lot of that in that show. Brilliant show. But yeah, like just going back to the, the towards the end of the game, it was like the last 10, 15 minutes. We were struggling. We were struggling to get the ball out. Like we couldn't find anybody. So I, I guess like. My first question would be like, do you think the substitutions we made were the right ones? And as well, like this is like, it's I know there's just going to be parts of a game where you don't have the ball and you're going to have to sit back and do whatever. But like, it's two games now because it just happened in the Ottawa game, the first one. What what can we do in those situations? Like, because you could just, you know, like it's it, was, it just seemed inevitable that Ford mm-hmm. were going to score, and then. After they scored, it was like this weird weight had been lifted off our shoulder, and then we turned it around and like we're attacking them. Like so, what do you think is causing this? Do you think it's like it's directed that way that we're supposed to sit back and just wait, like and just hope that we get Nick to win, or is it just like a just a mental thing that you know, like like what do you think it is? It's just game. It's just game state. Like like any league, any level of football you watch in the world, when on paper, the better team is one goal down. That exact scenario happens. Like it happened, like any team Man City is playing, any team Arsenal playing at the minute. Like no matter what you do, game state will suffocate you and make sure that that happens. Like I've never seen. Like, have you ever seen a version of that game where the weight, the weaker team like us, are one nil up, and then we just control? for 90 minutes and are not threatened like that was always always going to happen and the reason we look good again once they score is because we were 
dead on our feet. We were completely knackered. Like we had a day's less rest than Forge. They played a PLSQ team. We played a CPL team. Like that matters when you're playing your first three games in six months. And we were just completely, completely gone. Our legs were gone. Like I was looking at Ryan James. I was looking at Lorenzo and just thinking like I was my i watched the game with my cat like i was just sat on the sofa and my cat was at one end giving herself a little bath and i was just chatting to her the whole game because I, ner- I was like agitated and nervous and i just kept saying to her like mate we're, our legs are gone our legs are gone <laughs> and i was just looking at her she was just licking licking her bum or something just like fuck off i'm trying to have a bath here but i was just like oh, that's all i kept saying for like from 70 minutes onwards was like our legs are gone our legs are gone and it was all it was always going to happen um and I jinxed it, like personally, I jinxed it because I've got a WhatsApp group with all of my mates from back home, um, all like really big football guys. And they always ask about Wanderers and we're always chatting about it in there. And I was, I messaged them on the 87th minute going like, boys, I think like we're 1-0 up against oh. the best team in the league. I can't believe it. I think we might actually hold on here. And literally two seconds later, they scored. And like my mates just were piling in, like they, they went on sofa score whatever it's called to see who scored and they were like oh passier scads the tissues and all of that stuff about it <laughs> um, it hammered me but yeah I, I really thought we were going to do it but it, so just so everyone knows it's 100% my fault that Forge scored because I got all gloaty about the fact that we were going to win so sorry everyone so if you see the if you see Gary at the game on Saturday make sure to remind him that he's a wanker and he ruined yeah. their weekends yeah, that would be, that'd be ideal, yeah. Uh, but, but you know, like uh, after what, what happened with Tottenham, uh, I would take the 1-1 win with, uh, or the 1-1 draw with, uh, with Ford. So, you know, I, I really think overall it was a really good performance. It was like mm. after the setback during the week, I, I think we came out, we played really well. We weathered the early storm because they were obviously at home. I thought, like, you know, thank God. Uh, after they hit the bar at the beginning, I was like, oh, fuck, we're in for a long Same. one here. And then we just start playing our game, and you know it. It there's there is like a bit of a confidence in the team too that they're like they. You can tell that the players believe in their abilities and that they're good enough, and it, it's it's so nice to see. I I kind of just before we get into like our player of the match and stuff for like that, like so, do you think that's going to be like a big part of the season? Excuse me. Um, that our strikers probably aren't going to score an awful lot of. Because I mean, I feel bad for 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 Kosi because like he got zero service basically. Like, I mean, like he, like he had a couple of like I wouldn't even call them half chances. Like it, it's it's kind of an odd one, isn't it? Um. Yeah. I mean, right. So bit of a the reason I like the reason I not find it easy, but the reason I quite enjoy analyzing Wanderers is because basically we play the same way as Arsenal do. So I'm watching the same sort of football week in week out, like. Not exactly the same, but really, really similar in terms of the box and the three. A lot of draws. A lot of draws, yeah. And (laughs) with Arsenal, our our wide players score most of our goals. Martinelli and Saka score most of our goals. Jesus kind of contributes, but he's more of um, an auxiliary player. And I think we're going to be like that as well. I think our wide players will be the scorers. The nine will like drop in to link and... When he does that, the wide falls will like pinch in and and be our biggest goal threat. So yeah, Kosi, you'd be happy six goals, seven goals, whereas you'd want Ferrin to get like 10, 11 and and Ditto, whoever's playing on the other side as well. He, he, de- or whatever. he, he definitely looks like he's gonna get that many to be perfectly yeah. he's such a uh, good player. 
And who scored our three goals? Our right winger scored in the first game. Our left winger scored in the second and third game. So, yeah. So if you're a gambling person, put money on Massimo Ferran to be the golden boot winner this year. I would say so, yeah. Yeah. So uh, who would you classify as your man of the match? Um, I mean, I, 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 we haven't talked about it. I thought Lorenzo was phenomenal again for the first 75 minutes. Like, yeah. Um, but I mean, Timoteo. I thought Timoteo was really, really good. He's mine. How about you? Um, I, I would, I would agree with you. Uh, I thought there was a pass right at the end, just and it kind of led to our um that little bit of pressure mm-hmm. that we had towards the end there. We get the corner and stuff like that. That uh Lorenzo did. It was like a fifty yarder to the mm. to the right wing. Like, man, he's such a like he's so it's uh, yeah. Can't wait a, to watch him in the flesh. Oh man, it's got like and that's the thing like the. Like when you're watching on TV, it just doesn't do people like that justice. And I'm kind of look, I'm looking forward to being up a little bit higher, being able to see uh, the mm. pockets and see see what you see what you were kind of talking about with the the, the formation and all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of, and that's why you set up in your perch on the other side, right? So yeah, um, my yeah. ivory ivory tower up there. So yeah, and look down on all the peasants, the peons. <laughs> that's <laughs> another reason to uh, call Gary a wanker when you say he calls he calls everybody else a peon. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, Timoteo as well. I mean, he's um, he's he's fantastic. So you know, this this weekend is our first home game. Uh, we're going to we're playing Vancouver. Uh, have you got to watch much of them? And how do you think we'll fare? Um, yeah, what I like to I wasn't paying attention to formations or anything, but I've watched them a bit. Um, I like I like to see how Elliot Simmons is doing, to be honest. So I like. I'll usually watch games he's in just to see how he's getting on. And I thought he 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 looked the best I've ever seen him look in their game against um God, who did they beat? York. York, yeah, in the game against York, I thought he looked really good. Yep. Um the guy they the striker they signed from the Mexican League looks pretty good as well. Um Caden Chung's a really good fullback. So they're they're a good team. They're not Edmonton. Like they're a legitimately good team. And um, I think we need to think about them as another trap. good CPL team not this yeah it's a trap isn't it um so it's not going to be easy i think i think they played with wing backs or three center backs but i i can't remember exactly so yeah it'll be a, another look to see us against if they do because we've not really played against that yet yeah well, i watched them against um uh pacific in the first game and i thought that they they, they were really good actually they're uh, they've got some pretty decent players mm-hmm. as you mentioned like, i thought they recruited really well um mm-hmm. it's not easy to bring that all together but it's basically what Halifax has had to do because we've got so many players too right so yeah. uh, it's got it's going to be interesting like I'm I, I I think we should be too good for them and hopefully get a win out of it but uh yeah it's going to be interesting to see we norm we normally do okay against Pacific when they come to Halifax and like ditto for them vice versa because it is such a long journey and the time difference so it's a three o'clock kickoff um so for them what's what is it four hours difference yep. so for them that's 11 in the morning um let's say you eat you eat three hours before the game starts so they're so we're eating at like like 12 o'clock which is normal for us to eat a big pasta lunch for them that's eight in the morning and just those little details i think they're probably going to be lo- not be able to sleep until 2 a.m because again of the time difference so we normally do okay at home against teams from out west so hopefully 
they're and, exhausted. And, 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 and we're going to set off. Yeah, we're going to set off firecrackers outside the hotel. Yeah, I knew it. I yeah. fuck it. You two yeah. are crazy for that. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it, I'm I'm super excited for us to be back home. It's uh, we're also going to have a new cookbook out because uh, Denton sent nice. it off to the uh, the printers, and I think he got them back already. So. It's oh, I can't always, wait uh, to see him in his in his regalia outside the stadium. He fucking lives where I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I'll make sure that I'm gonna pick up a cookbook. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it. Um, hopefully, my wife will organize a babysitter, or else our kids are gonna have to fend for themselves for a couple of hours. Is, so your, is your wife going as well? No, she's she's working. So I'm hoping that we no. get a, a babysitter in, or else the boys have to look after themselves for a couple of hours. <laughs> uh, <fine. laughs> yeah, I'll just put them in front of the TV. They'll, they'll be grand, you know. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. just don't poop. That's all I ask. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. So, Gar, it's been great. Uh, it's it, it feels nice to be going into the home opener with some positivity. It's it's so nice, and mm. I really, really, really hope and pray that uh, we get the performance to match it. So I think we will. No pressure, lads. No pressure. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jan, watch out. Gary's going to be waiting for you after <laughs> the game because you're he's your stalker now. So, <laughs> And uh, thanks to Jason for uh, giving us a bit of insight into uh, the situation at York. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be a story that's going to grow and grow, I think. So... Get out! Out of the box!